Good morning, K2. How are you? Good. Man, you sound good. You look good. I don't know if it's the summer or what, but thanks. Thanks for having me here. My name's Kyle. I am uh, one of the pastors at a church called Missio Dei, which is kind of in downtown-ish Salt Lake, and it is really good to be here with y'all. Before I begin, before we dig into this idea of justice and God being a just God, it is uh, important for me to kind of just share something personal, and that is thank you. Thank you to K2. Thank you to this church, the story you tell and the story you live. It it means something to the church that I'm a part of, and it means something to me personally. Uh, What do I mean by that? Well, I think it was about 11, 12 years ago, I was working at a church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, I don't know who all in here is from Utah, but uh, for me, I've had this thing that I've experienced. I'm from Utah as well, like six generations, you know, like family pushed hand carts to get here kind of from Utah. I know this because my parents told me about that all the time. Um, But uh, when you're from Utah and you live somewhere else, for some reason, people often, when they meet someone else from Utah, they just assume you know them. Um, even though there's, you know, three million people or something like that live in our state. So I was working at this church, and this guy comes, and he's like, hey, I was on the plane, and I met this guy from Utah. Um, do you know him? Uh, shockingly, I don't. Uh, he's like, but listen to this. He's a part of this church. And I'm like, yeah, that, there's a lot of people that are a part of a church in Utah. And he's like, no, 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 no. Um, it's called K2. And uh, they are just getting, you guys had either already started or were getting ready to start. I, I can't fully remember. But for me, it meant um, uh, a great deal. It was this beautiful kind of inspiring story of these people um, starting this beautiful movement of God in Salt Lake City. Uh, I had been um, grown up here uh, in the LDS faith. I'd, I'd, I'd come to faith as a Christian um, just a few years prior to that uh, when I was 22, 23 years old. And, and so to hear that that was happening in Utah, just this movement was something very personal and beautiful to me. And fast forward a few years, and I was then at a church in Portland, Oregon, and I was getting ready to start a church myself, to plant a church with my wife and a group of others. And, and we had this plan. We had this plan that we were going to plant in Portland. And I don't know. I know that there's all kinds of folks in here right now. So there's folks who follow Jesus, and there's folks who don't. There's folks who just came here because they're so tired of their mom inviting them. There's like, maybe if I go, she'll stop. But... Um, but what I want to tell you today is when you follow Jesus, you can have these amazing, beautiful plans. And most of the time he will go, I have a different one. Um, so we were getting ready to plant in Portland. And uh, then all of a sudden Salt Lake came on the radar. And as we followed it, one of the most gracious, generous, inviting voices was Dave Nelson and K2. And... Um, do you know how much that meant to me and meant to the group of people that came here to help start Missio Day? I mean, um, Dave, before I moved here, would, would give of his time, would give of his wisdom, would, 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 would sit with me, would, would tell me about his experience here. After I came, I know all of you remember it because so many of you have mentioned it to me this morning, but eight years ago, I, I preached here and uh, um, just felt the love and the support of you all. And... Um, and, and so thank you. Like, it's meant so much to come to this place that, that I love, to come to this place that I have roots in, and to just 
feel and see a family of God, uh, not just um, names of churches where we don't know each other and where we're in some kind of bizarre competition, but rather the people of Jesus living out a story. So thank you. And I just really appreciate who you are and what you are about. Just kind of honored to be here with you today. Now we're going to dig into... um, a, a, a passage today and an idea of justice that is heavy. And why do, I, why do I say heavy? Because, you know, we can say we're in a series called The Nature of God, but if you drill down through the, the language, it means who is God and why is he that way, which is a big deal. I, I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or not, like if you believe in God or don't, we are asking often who is God and why is he the way he is? You guys have been talking about that for a long time. Today, we're going to talk about the reality and truth that God is a God of justice and that he calls us to be people of justice. And folks, that is going to be a dive. That is going to be um, a deep dive into who we are and how we're wired and what God is calling us to. And so I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to take kind of your ideas about what justice is about how you've either seen it lived out well or lived out poorly, and just maybe set it aside for a minute. Let me, let me be clear. I'm not asking you to, to not think. I'm not asking you to, to check your brain at the door. What I am saying, though, is would you be willing to, to kind of um, um, ask questions of the ideas that you have about justice and then also let God's scriptures and his story kind of teach us about who he is? Because the last thing I want to do today is ask you to sprinkle some of God on your life. I want to invite all of us to trust God as he leads us in his way. So let's pray, and then we will, um, I'll read the passage, and we'll we'll jump in. Cool? Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people, their generosity in spirit, their their generosity in, 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 in just being your people the way they live out love, the way they invite the, the, the guest in. God, thank you. I've just been such a recipient of that. Today, God, um, as you talk to us from your scriptures, would you teach us? Would you invite us into who you are and what you're about? God, would we be open? Would our hearts be soft? Would our ears not shut down and us kind of run away into these spaces in our mind? Would we actually listen to what you're calling us to? We need you, God. We ask you to lead us and guide us and be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's this passage in the book of Micah. Micah is in the Old Testament. It's, it's, it's actually towards the end of the Old Testament. It's, it's kind of looking forward to the birth of a Savior, of a Messiah, of ultimately Jesus. And the people there are wondering, like, what does it look like to please God? And they're trying to approve, like, audition for God and show God how worthy they are of his love. But this prophet Micah says, hey, stop with that. You know what's good. He says, he has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God? See, justice is at the heart of God's story, and it's actually at the heart of who we are as people. You you saw it in the video, right? 
And, and, and I, don't, I don't have to argue you into that, I don't think. Like, whether you are someone who is following God or would say you're not, you know right and wrong. You know justice and injustice when you see it for the most part. It's hardwired into you. And I would say it's hardwired into you because God has created you in his image. That doesn't mean that you look like him or, you know, your hair's cut like him. That means that there is something in you, like that's innate in you, that represents God, that functions like God. And like the video says, it's not a part of anything or anyone else except humanity. I was um, watching, I have two boys. One is five and one is one. And they love nature. And they, they love to just talk about it. They love to experience it. My little one-year-old, he's learning how to talk. And he thinks everything that walks that is not a human is a doggy, which he calls goggy. Look at the goggies. Like yesterday, we're out working in the backyard. It's actually kind of in behind my house. And there's this wood pile. And I pull up some wood. And I see a rat. And I don't like rats, okay? Now, I know there's some of you just animal lovers. Like, rats are so cool. And they're not cool, all right? <laughs> And I'm like, Ugh! like, and he's like, look, and he looks down, he goes, oh, the goggy, right? Because he's one. And then we go inside later in the day, and we're watching a show called Planet Earth. And there's these two giraffes. Now, is there anything more different than a rat, than a giraffe, right? And this giraffe, and he's like, oh, look at the goggies, right? But we're watching this, and this giraffe, you know, the narrator, he's like, uh, this is the old bull. He's had this territory for 10 years. And um, a, a lady walks on to this territory. And of course, he's happy that a lady would walk onto his territory. And the narrator says that. And when you have a five-year-old, it's always fun trying to explain that piece. Why is he so happy that she's here? Well, they're just friends from way back. But uh, <laughs> he's like, now here comes the younger bull to challenge the old bull because he sees the lady, right? And they're like, how is this going to end? I don't know if you've ever seen giraffes fight. I had never. They do this insane thing where they kind of whip their neck and smack each other with their heads. It's unbelievable to watch. And so they fight, right? And they're back and forth. And here's my favorite thing about animal shows is whenever you can actually see the other animals in the background. Like there's just a hippo cruising by. He just like looks up and he's going, like, oh, those two, right? But in me, like for some reason, there's like a sense of justice. I'm like, that's been his territory for 10 years. You can't just come on and try to take his territory because you, his lady's attractive. Like you can't, like there's this justice piece in me, right? But there's no justice in nature. There's no like wildebeest protesting, Right? We, we do this house swap with this family in Florida. And I mean, again, such different experience from, from living in the mountains to going to Florida where they live on water. And, uh, and so we'll see dolphins and manatees and fish. And one day I'm out there with my boy that's five again, and uh, we see this falcon. And it's just awesome. I'm like, let's just watch this guy. So all of a sudden he flies down and plucks a fish out of the, out of the uh, water flies back up to this perch. And uh, my son, you know, why did he do that? I'm like, well, he has to eat. He's like, oh, so he kills the fish. I'm like, yeah, he kills the fish. 
And then the falcon, just like, in, in, just like he's on cue, just starts like ringing the fish, you know? And there's like stuff flying. I'm like, man, I got a kid here. The falcon does not care. <laughs> See, the justice piece is hardwired in us because we're made in the image of God. And so it can trip us up. It can challenge us when we see injustice. Why would God be a just God, I think is a fair question to ask. Why does he care? And then why does he so vividly call us to live that out when he says, do justice? Well, let me say this from the beginning, and this is going to take a minute in case you don't I kind of know the narrative or the story of Christianity. See, in Jesus, Jesus is God's most profound megaphone, his most beautiful example of who he is and what he's about. And in Jesus, he screams to the world, I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to know you. And folks, if justice is missing from a relationship, it is not loving. And maybe you're like, I, I don't get that yet. And hopefully it'll kind of come out as we walk through the passage and walk through the message. But think about this. If, if um, justice isn't in a relationship, then it's not an honest relationship. See, justice requires honesty. It requires sacrifice. It requires someone being willing to serve and love. And God, folks, that is what God has done since the beginning for us. See, in the, in the Bible, in just the third chapter, we push God away, we reject him, we leave him behind, and it says, by the end of that chapter, it says he's already put in motion this plan of rescue. And so he never has to pretend, he never has to look at Kyle and go, you know, Kyle's just amazing. But what about that year that he didn't, I'm not going to tell you, okay? He doesn't have to do that, like he can be honest about that. Because in Christ, he has fulfilled what justice asks for, as, we, as we'll talk about. And so if you don't want a just God, because you feel like your past is just too messed up, man, listen today as God invites you into his type of justice. Or if you feel like God isn't just enough because you see people getting away with things that they shouldn't get away with, listen today as you see the lengths that he's gone to to pay for the wrongs of this world. Because God is bent, focused, passionately aimed at a loving relationship with us. And that means that he has to be a part, has to be about true justice. Well, if you're like me, you can hear that and know that, but then you read the passage again and you, and you, and you see, has God, has he, he has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God? So if you reflect on it for a minute, you're like, okay, God is a God of justice. I want to go do it. I want to live it. But if you're like kind of a thinking person, oh, man, you know you can't. I, I can't be this perfect picture of justice. Even when I always want to be just, even when my intentions are the best, I'm, I'm, I'm blinded. I don't know how to properly 
kind of like, like live it out. I see a little bit of reflection with my five-year-old and my one-year-old. You know, the, fi- the one-year-old's fine. When the one-year-old's growing up now where he can kind of play and engage with the five-year-old, at first that was the older brother of my fa- in, in, in our family, in our household. It's his biggest disappointment because he was so ready for that younger brother. He's hyper extrovert. He's like, I can't wait till he's here. We're going to play. And then what does he do? He just kind of lays there. It's a big disappointment. But now as he's getting older, they'll have these periods where they play and they have fun. And then they'll have periods where the younger brother really annoys the older brother. And then all of a sudden he is going to be this dispenser of justice. And I watch and I'm like, that's so ridiculous what you're doing right now. (laughs) And how justified you feel you are. And folks, let me be honest, we're not all five-year-olds, right? We grow up and we mature, so hopefully we get a little better at it. But there's still this peace in us where we know we're always going to be, we're always going to come up short as we live out justice. There's going to be areas that we're sensitive to. There's going to be areas that even though we don't want to be, we're blind to. There's going to be times, right, where, where, where we want mercy, not justice. What do I mean by that? Well, think about it. Think about it this way. So um, I was getting ready to go on vacation with my family to Florida, and I went out to my shed to get my golf clubs because down there what we do is we go to the beach and we, I get to play some golf. And I go open the, the shed up, I go in, And I was like, oh, wow, man, this place looks a lot more tidy. There's a lot more space in here than I remember before. Did I clean my shed? Of course I didn't. (laughs) Somebody had broken in and stolen some things. And one of those things happened to be my golf clubs. Well, at that moment, I want justice, right? Like, I'm angry. You took my golf clubs, and that's a day before I go to Florida. Like, I don't want to hit a ball with those golf clubs. I want to hit that person with those golf clubs, right? Justice. And then, then I realized they stole my little guy's golf clubs. I'm like, who does that? Who takes a five-year-old? Who's like, yeah, I don't These aren't a kids. Like, right? And so in me is like anger. And let's fast forward it to like even more intense and serious things. Like, we want justice. We want justice when somebody uses those words of hurt towards us. When that spouse violates or cheats on us. We want justice when somebody steals money from us. But folks, what about when we are the guilty party? What about when we've perpetrated an injustice? And I got to be honest, I, I'm not uh, Dave Nelson. I do some bad things, okay? <laughs> I am not always um, right, and so I perpetrate injustice. But in those moments, I want forgiveness. I want mercy. As much as I want justice when my clubs are gone, I want mercy when I'm the one who screwed up and hurt somebody else. So it puts us in this kind of quandary 
We're these people who are created to, to, to know justice and want it. And then God calls us to live it. But we know if it's just up to us, we can't. We know that it's almost impossible. So, so what do we do? Well, some of us give up. We don't pursue it. We're done. I'm like, eh, I'm just going to live my life and forget about the other people. Some of us fool ourselves. We think, yeah, I can go live it out. I can figure it out. I can make this right. And that's kind of me. Like, for some reason, I've just always had that in me, that I can figure this out. Or we get real with ourselves. We realize we need a savior. We realize we are hopeless left to ourselves. And we then trust Jesus. Read this passage again with him in mind. And before I read it, I want to just kind of make sure again we all kind of understand what it means to know Jesus. See, there's this idea in Scripture that when we trust our lives to Jesus, God doesn't see us anymore, not our resume or what we've succeeded or screwed up. He sees Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, but when God talks about Jesus, it's like the coolest language ever. He's like, that's my son who I love. He is it. There's even a story that Jesus tells about how God sees his sons and daughters even when they've been far off and left him, the, the, the story shows uh, the, the guy who's kind of portraying the God pictures, he just runs after his kids the minute they would want to be with him. Throws his arm around him, kisses him like it's silly and stupid the way I know a lot of fathers and mothers do for their children. So read this passage again with Jesus in mind because for those of you who trust your life to Christ, he doesn't see you trying to get it right. He sees Jesus. He says, he has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God? Who can actually do that? Only Christ. Who can take these things that seem to be at odds? Like, I feel like you're either the humble and kind person or you're the justice person. But in Jesus, they find a match. They find a perfect puzzle piece that seems to fit together. And so the only way we can live this out is by giving our lives to Christ, is by entrusting everything to him. We leave behind our story and begin to live out his story. And maybe you're, again, not following Jesus in here. And let me be clear, this is the hardest thing for any one of us to do. This is the hardest route for any one of us to go. Because what, we'll, what we will be tempted in is this, is to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on the way we're going right now to take a little bit of who he is, or maybe a lot even, and say like, um, I am going to just kind of use him to keep going down the road I am going down right now. But that is not the way of following Christ. And it will get, begin to be exposed when we try to live out this idea of justice. 
Because in Micah, what God is calling us to do is to tell the story of God, not the story of me. And there's, there's, there's one specific way or kind of one way we can look at this where it'll really show in our lives whether we're living out God's idea of justice or the world's idea of justice. See, the world's idea of justice, again, is kind of that retributive or revenge-like idea where you screw up, you do something bad, you pay for it. There's a debt owed and that debt has to be paid. And so that person that does these things is no longer seen as a, as a person. They're seen as the wrong they committed, the thing that they did. R roll through kind of the Rolodex of people in your life and see if you've identified someone that way. Before you see him as a human, before you see him as a person who God created, you see him as what they are guilty of. That's the way the world would look at justice. And often that's the way we project justice onto God, but it's just not true. See, where the world would think of justice as kind of revenge-style justice, everyone gets what they deserve, God enters in with Jesus and, and announces this idea of grace-style justice. What do I mean by that? Well, before God sees anything, he sees the human that he created, the image of God that is kind of boiling in them. He would never, he would never reduce someone to the wrong they did. Let me be clear for some of you who are like, well, you can't just forget the wrongs that people have done. Absolutely not. You cannot. That would be robbing a relationship of honesty, of truth. So God doesn't do that. He doesn't send Jesus to say, you know what? Everything's just okay. All's forgiven. We forgot it. Like, it's okay. No, it says he has love for the world. God so loved the world that he sends Jesus. And Jesus pays for those hurts. He pays for those injustices. That's why he hangs on the cross. Have you ever thought about this? You want to know what love is? We kind of just reduce love in the world. I love a candy bar. I really love a hamburger over there. And I love Jesus. Or I love my wife. Have you ever thought about just how it's kind of screwed up all that is, right? But this is Jesus' love. Jesus hangs on the cross. Like the people who are, like nailed him there, the people who whipped him, the people who mocked him, the people who turned their back, they're all there. And he looks at them. And what's his prayer to God? Forgive them. Is that not love? Forgive them. Love is, is Jesus hanging on the cross, dying for the people who are killing him at the same moment. He's paying for the sins of injustice. He's not ignoring it. He's not backing away from it. It's right in front of all of them. And he's saying, I, there's something that compels me above all of this, and it's the love of God in order to suffer this and go through this. And it's the way we begin to live grace-filled justice. 
And folks, this is not a small thing. I'm going to say it, and you're like, okay, I can do it. It is a huge thing. The first way is that we would see everyone, everyone, not by what they are guilty of or not by what they are successful in, but by the fact that they were created by God and are image bearers of God. This is how we begin to live this out. This is how we begin to tell the story of of God rather than the story of me. Before we just name them and compartmentalize them, we see the beauty of God's creation in them. And that is a difficult thing to do. It might be easy because you think of things right now, people you want to love. But what about when they are in your face? That person who has hurt you, wronged you. But folks, this is for everyone. The folks who talk like us and the folks who don't. The folks who have the same skin color as us and the folks who don't. The folks who have the same education level as us and the folks who don't. The folks who make the same amount of money and the folks who don't. The folks who cheer for the Utes and even the folks who cheer for the Cougars. (laughs) That's my whole family. That's the one I've had to practice the most with. But But in a serious way, we begin to live God's justice when we see the image of God before we see anything else. And then as we move forward, our first step is not to take from them. Because we don't, remember, we don't need this to be paid for. And what I mean by that is Christ has paid for it. So if you're looking for blood from them, blood has been spilt for it. If you're looking for someone to make a payment, a payment has been made. So you would move towards them, not to take something from them, but to give something to them. And that would be grace. That would be mercy. That would be reconciliation and forgiveness. Now, will that cost you something? I would be a fool to tell you no. Stupid. You should get up and leave. Man, folks, I have seen it in some of the most unbelievable spaces um, where men and women have decided to do this, and it is profound. It's like God is in the room. Like there are, there are, I've seen it in marriages the most where um, someone has cheated. And, and it, is, it is bad enough when that is a one-night stand, but I have seen it now where there are people who have kind of lived separate lives and they've been found out and they come back to their spouse and they say, I want to reconcile. I want to be married to you. I want to make this happen. And in everything in your mind says that's insanity. And this person, because of Christ in them, says, okay, let's do this. Okay, I'll, I'll do this. And, and, and they recognize the hurt. They don't just say, oh, it didn't happen. They call it out, they spell it out, and they moved towards these folks in forgiveness and in mercy and seeking reconciliation. And folks, that is the most profound act of grace-filled justice. That changes the world. When we begin to see people differently, we see the image of God in them. When we begin to move towards them in graciousness, in mercy, folks, it changes the world. And maybe you're like, you, you know, that's just pastor speak. No, there's actually, history has been changed because of it. 
Like study the movie, study the movement of the abolishment of slavery. These were people who loved Jesus, who looked at this idea and were disgusted by it. And folks, the, the world's economies rested on it. The world's like the, the sovereign powers trusted in it, but they didn't let that stop them. So we don't sit here with like token ideas or like there's like a good rah-rah message. No, it affects both institutions like slavery and relationships like marriages, friendships. This is what it means to live out Jesus' call to justice, God's story of justice. See, God chose grace-filled justice rather than revenge-filled justice. Why? Because he didn't come to shame us. He came to love us. He didn't come to put us in our place. He came to invite us back to the place we were created to be in. Do you ever wonder why the Bible calls you what, what, what it calls you, people who follow and trust in Jesus? What do I mean by that? It doesn't call you peers or, or, or buddies. It doesn't make up kind of words like we do. They do at workplace where they're like, you're not an employee, you're an associate. It's like, well, I'm still just an employee, but. <laughs> no, he says, you're a son, you're a daughter, and I love you. That's what he calls you into. He didn't come to shame you, to mock you. He didn't come to smack you around and put you in your place. He came to love you. This is who our God is. Now, this is going to be challenging because you're, you're going to feel insecure. But would you remember again that God, you are not auditioning for God. You're not proving to him that you could be on his team. You're already in his family. You've already tasted his grace and his mercy. And you are now free to go and live that out. You don't do this on your own. You do this because you're found in Christ. So we move towards each other, seeing the image of God in one another, being willing to give of ourself, being willing to offer the grace and mercy that God has filled us with. Because we are in Christ. And he didn't come to shame us with justice. He came to love us. We recognize and realize that we are now free to, to bear the burdens of one another, to take on the problems of one another, to be in loving relationship with each other, to suffer alongside one another. Do you see all this as a picture of Jesus? That's what the church is supposed to be, the body of Christ. And this is how we look like him. It's where we don't see first their wrongs, but we see that they are created in the image of God. We remember the scriptures that say, God knit them together. In the womb, he created them. And before we would ever see their wrong or the rights that they've done in this world, we would see the beauty in that. And we would trust that Christ in his story, in the blood that was poured out through him, and the justice that was served in that is sufficient and enough. Okay, two, let's pray now. I want to invite the band up to worship. Let's pray that God would begin to change our hearts and change our minds to see justice in a way that tells 
his story, not my story or your story. That tells the narrative of God that's one not about shame, but about love and relationship. One that's not about reducing someone or pushing them out, but rather inviting them to healing and wholeness and bringing them in. Let's pray. God, thank you again for this church. Thank you for the way that you love us, the way that you teach us about justice. Thank you for the way that you bless us, God, with the story of Christ, the lived reality of Jesus that forgives us, frees us, and releases us. God, would you soften our hearts today to hear really who you are? Would you give us courage to trust in living this out? And would you give us your grace as we make mistakes? Thank you, God. You are good. Thank you for this church. Bless it and be with it. In Jesus' name, amen.